Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I got us an action-packed podcast today. I'll tell you what, this is kind of cool. I had a LinkedIn contact, Will Reese, reach out to me and do an introduction. And I just want to give Will a thank you and a shout out out here. I've got Tim Kalen, and I mean, we're going to have a fantastic talk. Uh, Tim is the uh, Rational Energy Management CEO. Welcome. I do appreciate you, and thanks for stopping by the podcast. Thanks a lot, Stu. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm going to do a little inside baseball here because if anybody goes to your LinkedIn, I got really tickled. You've got former CIA on there and I about threw up and I'm like, is this a joke from Will? (laughs) (laughs) And I I love your response. Well, yeah, uh, it is not a joke. I was there for 12 years. I I, uh, went overseas a lot, traveled about 30 percent of the time, 30 different countries, had a great time. Uh, I did not shoot anybody, I promise. Uh, almost got shot at a few times, but that's those are different stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great uh, it was it was a great group of people at that time, which was the late 80s and the and the early 90s. And yep. uh, and I thought we accomplished a lot. So I'm uh, I'm proud of I me. Mean, the current CIA, you know, there's some questions there. But uh, at that time, it's the greatest group of people. Yeah, it, it's like people are that, that's one of those that people are like. Hmm. Okay. But Uh hey, uh, let's talk about your current gig uh, as the CEO of uh, Rational. We were kind of chit-chatting a little earlier today, and that's pretty exciting about what you got going on over there. Tell us what that is. Yeah, I mean, basically, I I was actually uh, focused on something else entirely, a a different (laughs) aspect of of renewable energy. And I'm thinking, okay, well, now we need some batteries. Let's see what we can find. And I did a did research on on the on utility scale batteries. There aren't any. They're all so expensive that they're they're beyond uh, being profitable. So so I, I focused on that because it's a huge market gap. I mean, basically. The, the unsubsidized world needs these batteries. So uh, we've started this company and we're uh, and we're about ready to, to start building a, a battery. Uh, we've nice. taken, taken actually, we've got some of the, literally some of the best people in the world, some of the best scientists, some of the best engineers nice. lined up to work on this and put together a battery that will be that is cheap enough to actually be profitable for renewable energy without uh, subsidies because that's a hot subsidy, button without subsidies the, wow. the current market is vapor locked at that higher level because right. if they do anything different their profits from subsidies go down so they're kind of in middle-sized companies and they they're going to stay there right uh, nobody's trying nobody's trying to make them cheap and that's what the market needs you know anybody that's listened to the podcast more than five minutes knows that i i really like the humanitarian aspect uh, we have to deliver the lowest kilowatt per hour to all citizens of the planet with the least amount of impact on the environment and truly sustainable. Well, truly sustainable, uh, as you and I talked about, is you can't print money. You just nailed a home run right there. And another CEO that I, I truly enjoy working with is Deborah Wald over at Green Lily. And she has the same thing. She has energy, but not in storage, but in other ways of sustainable, true, renewable energy. And and so this is really exciting. Now, as we also talked, I really enjoyed my time visiting with the Frere Battery folks out of Norway, and they hit my number one gig, and that was renewable energy. I mean, uh, the uh, energy storage has to be recyclable. 
How's your technology work there? Well, uh, actually, we're kind of fortunate coming in at this stage of, of battery production. We went all the way back to the 1980s to, to pick up a, a chemistry. It's actually the iron flow chemistry. And uh, and it's completely, I mean, environmentally friendly. I mean, if you spill if you spill some of the fluid on the ground, it, it kind of makes a good fertilizer. But that's about it. No way. Yeah, I, I keep joking with my my CTO that I'm going to uh, as a demonstration, I'm going to give him a cup and have him drink it. But he, he hasn't quite warmed up today yet. So. Wow, <laughs> that is cool. Now, be careful what you threaten, because. Um, Chris over he's the CEO over at Liberty Freck. I I he really has influenced me on on getting into the humanitarian aspect. He had all the frack fluid for his oil field service company and he lined up his employees and said drink. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm serious. It it should be drinkable. Uh, and and he was the I, I first will be, one. I will be the first one. Yeah, and I love that. That is so no, cool. No. Okay, so the demonstration will be will be it's, it, it is mildly acidic. So I'm right. gonna put, drop some tums in there. It's actually less acid than your stomach, so tums should should neutralize the acid. Then right, right down. It'll probably taste really bad though. This may not only be a renewable battery source; it might be the cure for cancer. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Cancer does not like acid. So if you drink right. a, a lot of, I learned that from one of my other clients, and that is if you drink a lot of uh, tomato juice and acid, they hate cancer. Hates an acidic body. Uh -huh. So. I think this might be something really cool. We're on now, to it. Now, don't, now, don't be saying that. I don't want people lining up poking holes in my batteries. <laughs> <laughs> that's, only, that's only a rumor now. We gotta, hey, it's a rumor. You, you know, and I, on, you, on the down low. Yeah, you, you, you first. But I am so excited about this conversation because uh, we have to do that. Now, your numbers. When you, uh, Tim, when we were talking just a second ago about your numbers, you said the numbers don't make sense. Can we go through some of those numbers real quick? Because it was how many kilowatt uh, per megawatt hour? I mean, you had those down to a science, sure, and I'd sure. kind of like to see what those are. And, and believe me, I've analyzed this 50 million ways because, you know, I mean, part of what I did with the agency was build analytical systems. So I, I'm, I'm pretty good at analysis. Nice. But uh, the fact that stands out, with this kind of a battery with a lifetime of 30 years and at the cost structure that I'm talking about, it raises the the wholesale price of energy from three, three cents to maybe four, which is well within the normal day-to-day -day fluctuations of, of energy prices. Right. If you want to use a standard lithium battery, uh, when I priced it, it was $400 a kilowatt hour uh, and a lifetime of, say, eight years. That raises the price of that kilowatt hour from three cents to 31 cents. Uh, and which is obviously not affordable. I mean, nobody can pay. No. That. Nobody wants to pay that. No. And and when you sit back and you take a look at uh, energy lost and then cyclage, uh, you know, when the grid's sitting there uh, and you, you lose energy on the way in, you lose energy on the way out. And then how long is it good for? How's the density on your battery solution? Because do you you got to build it big? I mean, is it a kilowatt per foot? Well, this is a this is a battery that's made for utility scale stuff, right? To to, to fit with solar farms. And solar farms are generally on a thousand acres or whatever. Right. And these are uh, these are uh, the the container will be a, a shipping container, a standard shipping container, and we may need a thousand of these in a stack to to back up uh, a, a a good sized solar farm, but right? I mean, a solar farm isn't very space efficient efficient to begin with. These are not space efficient batteries. They're not going to go in your car. 
right. they're not going to be you're not even going to pull it behind a truck they're very heavy they would they're going to weigh probably 30 pounds with all the, or 30 tons with all the right fluid in them but but we don't care about that because we've got lots of space if we if we're putting them next to a solar farm i mean we're taking up maybe one percent of their space so right. uh, uh, space is is not a not really a problem you know reclamation is something that has now just hit the oil and gas industry sure. and you know trying to go take care of the orphan wells and with the running away from wind farms Reclamation is is really becoming. Uh, there was an article in I think it was Bloomberg last week where uh, the farmers are not really digging the wind farms because after the twenty five year contract, who's going to take these beasts down? Right, and it's about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to take one down. And, and I mean, you look at the concrete footprint and everything else. So I'm assuming that based on this uh, recyclable type structure, your reclamation costs are going to be a lot less. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. I mean, thinking about the the ingredients to this, I mean, the, it's it's basically iron and and chlorine. I mean, if you if you happen to dump it on on the ground, it would just kind of go away. Uh, and you, and you know, you've got a steel structure for the, the shipping container, which you can recycle. Which, yeah. The, the electrode is primarily carbon, I mean, graphite based. So you can re- certainly recycle that. I mean, right. grind it up and refill it if you want. I mean, uh, I mean, there's not a lot else to it. I mean, there's some, uh, it's not PVC, but in a, a more advanced form of PC, PVC is all the plumbing in it. Wow. And really? I mean, probably 99% of this could be recycled just in bulk. Right. Uh, and the rest of it, uh, well, I mean, some electronics in there and some cables. Oh, sure. But, you know, it's not like recycling right. of of the solar farm itself. Uh, right, right. And, yeah, it's not nearly that big a problem. No. Plus, plus uh, they're in containers. You can just haul them away. Uh, yeah. haul your recycling place. Right. And so when you take a look, boy, you hit the big one on the thing because you got to love ERCOT in Texas. All those people died and then they had the grid fail and they could have used more storage uh, as long as it was sustainable. You didn't print money. I mean, you let's go through that checklist again, but um, this is pretty darn cool. Now you got also uh, George McMillan and you, and tell us what your event is coming up in on November 9th. Is that right? Yep. November 9th, Thursday, November 9th. It's at the pen club in New York city. Uh, nice. Starts at six o'clock. Uh, and uh, well, you mentioned Will Reese, who's our, our Shell exec nice. uh, covering the oil and gas. Uh, George McMillan is a, a researcher into ge- geopolitical uh, frameworks. And I mean, he's he knows uh, he, he sees things other people don't see in in the maneuverings between Russia and China and, and how energy is going to be redirected in, in all kinds of different directions. Oh, um, isn't that fun? I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. If he will say something that you will completely not understand, but if you can ask a tiny question out of right. uh, of him and pull on a thread, then he becomes perfectly uh, understandable and and wow. fascinating because he knows. I mean, he's been to all these countries. He's he's seen things firsthand, and and he just he just knows what's happening. Wow. Well, like for example, I mean, uh, not not too many people are talking about it yet, but I mean, we're what we're saying is Russia redirecting pipelines into China and uh, and that'll go to India and and from Iran to India. That's going to be a separate market. The market is going to bifurcate. Right. Uh, uh, and and the, the petrodollar is not going to be allowed in that market. 
and uh, yeah, we're actually writing a writing a white paper on this as well to to accompany the the panel event. And what oh, fantastic! Yeah, what we're speculating is the place to be in energy will be in India because it'll have a foot in both worlds, and you'll be able to do arbitrage and and energy between. I mean, between mm. two markets. If right. you think about it, but but I mean. Lots of lots of opportunity there. Lots of turmoil and lots of chaos. But if you're uh, if you're energy yep. minded, uh, you can make a lot of a lot of money out of that. Well, I, I've already just thought of about fifteen different things for our conversation. Um, you know, when we sit back and, and take a look at all of the geopolitical stuff that I've been chewing on, uh, there, I I I cannot wait to visit with him on a podcast. Uh, you know, it's like last week, uh, nobody was talking about the Leviathan field in the Mediterranean for natural gas. And I started bringing it up on my uh, podcast during the week. And sure enough, they just sh- shut it down, you know, and there's no gas coming out. The gas coming out of that is Israel's that goes to Egypt. And that's about 20% of the power that's in uh, Egypt's uh, energy market. And it's the only way wow. that... And I got that from Dr. Robert Brooks, who turned me on to that. And then uh, I've been talking about the Mediterranean, that area for about three years. So we we as a group, and I can't wait to talk to George because people think of oil and that's all there is to the market. It's right. oil, it's gas, it's renewables, yep. it's solar. Sure. It's what you're trying to do with storage. Uh, you cannot mention energy without talking about all of it. Right. And that's true. And it, and a natural market would be all of those competing with each other. Right. Uh, not subsidies doing this and subsidies doing that and, and everybody pulling in different directions. The energy is energy. Energy right. is wealth. And and the more wealth you can produce, the better. Now, renewable energy is renewable wealth, obviously. It would be nice if we could actually make a uh, an undisrupted market, undisrupted by subsidies in this case, that makes renewable energy the cheapest that it can possibly be, which right. I mean is not happening just yet. Now, solar solar cells have gone from like twenty dollars a watt down to fifteen cent, but yet still uh, the the installation still costs uh, ten times that, or twenty times that, or thirty times that. It's like, well, yeah. why? I mean, why hasn't anybody invested in that? Well, that's because the subsidies make it more more profitable to build more expensive systems. Like, right. You, we're not going right now. We have 24,000 permits waiting for solar and wind that are that are bogged down. And last year we had 8,000. So the Biden administration's not doing the renewable uh, sector any good. So, you know, uh, getting the regulatory, it's really legislation through regulation is be careful who you vote for. Yeah, very true. And, and and so when you take a look at that, the, uh, you know, Dan Bongino's a nut. And and so, you know, he calls the Inflation Reduction Act a uh, porculus bill. Uh, yeah. and, and so I'm sure your your um, solution with the battery storage would fit for that funding. Yeah. You know, I mean, our goal is to do things without subsidies. But if there's money on the table, I mean, we're going to scrape it off. I mean, who, what businessman wouldn't? Free right. money is free money. I, don't, I mean, that's not my goal, but if it's if it's a windfall, it's a windfall. But uh, going back to what you said uh, a, a minute ago, uh, I read in the uh, New York Times eight thousand solar projects waiting to be connected to the grid, and it and right. it may very well be twenty four thousand this year. Right. But the problem is that that connecting those to the grid 
uh, is a nightmare because they fluctuate so much during the day, which is why you need the batteries. Right. So, so we think that uh, when we get our battery ready to go and it is profitable and it is cheap, that we can start connecting those guys. And I mean, that's a, that's a hyper growth strategy right there. Right. Um, if I, if I was Elon and uh, I think I'm better looking than Elon. So in case, much better, much yeah, better. Oh yeah. I'm a legend in my own mind, but you know, if we sit back and kind of go, if we had the money, you and I could just pull a trigger. It would still take you a while because of the regulatory process in building the plants. Correct. Uh, yes. So fortunately, we have on our board of advisors the best attorney in the country, in my opinion. Uh, nice. I mean, yeah, she's uh, she was involved in every uh, solar energy uh, or solar farm in Nevada uh, over the past few years. Mm, uh, and cool. she's an expert on the regulatory environment and the interface to California. And uh, and she's going to be our guide in that. Uh, so what we're hoping is that the regulatory uh, rules that apply to solar farms will accommodate a battery solution on, on the same premises because it, it really is kind of the same thing. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, why have the renewable energy if it's not fiscally sustainable or right. in, in Texas, you know, Texas is the number one wind producer in and also oil and gas. Our energy is half of California and half of New York. And uh, yeah, let's use everything. We got nuke, we got coal, we got natural gas. Doesn't matter to me. I'm I am energy agnostic as long as it get, has that little checkbox. Right. Yeah, and, and you should be. I mean, there's yeah. uh, there's no reason not to be. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're we've been looking at in the uh, in our white paper it, are the projections. And there's a radical shift between projections in 2013 and 2021 because 20, mm-hmm. 2013 the projections are. Uh, a much higher level of worldwide consumption of energy and a much higher consumption of coal. The 2021 projections, which I I consider to be wishful thinking, shows, well, first of all, the world total world consumption is less for some reason. And and it shows coal decreasing until 2050. It's like, well, there's nothing in the world that is indicating that coal will decrease. As a matter of fact, China just announced that they're putting in 100, 100 gigawatts of new coal energy or new uh, coal-fired plants. 300, so, so, 300, yeah, 300 plants. Uh, it is already permitted. That is already permitted, and they're putting in more. And more to come, exactly. Uh, so, so they're not going to make their net zero promises, and probably nobody else is. And now, now think about what happens if we try to impose net zero on the developing world. They're going to look at us kind of funny and they're going to say, well, you had the opportunity to build your economy based on cheap energy and you want us to put up with this crap? No, we're going to go out and buy coal. We don't care what you say. And by the way, if you try and, and impose this on us, we're going to go to the other market between Russia and China and we're going to do business with them and, and screw you. Uh, the words, what are the, what are the words? Uh, energy apartheid. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean there are, this is already happening. They're going to rebel. They're not going to hit, they're not going to try to hit net zero unless renewable energy happens to be the cheapest. Source. If have it you is, been listening to my it. podcast? Have you been listening to my podcast? Oh, yeah, I'm just yes, kidding. Yes, 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 every day. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'll pay you later. Yeah, of course. But uh, yes. I just I, uh, just releasing the staff is getting ready to release my interview with the uh, Secretary General of the uh, African Petroleum Producers uh, Organization. It's the OPEC of Africa. There are 18 different countries in it, and they're fed up. 
and they are fed up. And I mean, I just, and they should be, I am, I want our platform to really go after this and let people know that Africans deserve to use their resources. Right. And, and this would be something that we'd it'd be fantastic to spin up and then get over to Africa on this kind of a thing. But, you know, it's- you know, uh, I was sitting in uh, one of the uh, financial policy councils, uh, councils events a, a few years ago when this actually hit me. And the, the event was about storage. And it was talking about storage of energy, storage right. of data, storage of other things. And I'm thinking and, and it occurred to me at that point, you only store things that are valuable if you're storing energy. That is a form of currency. That is wealth. That is something that's valuable. And that applies across the table. And and, it, and it's very, uh, very inflation resistant, uh, this energy. And there this, is uh, no GD, GDP growth without a growth in energy. It just doesn't right. happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, and George comments on that all the time. I mean, there's a very direct correlation between growth and, uh, and energy use. And who yep. the hell wants to go backwards? I mean, why would you want to? No, and and it it is uh, fairly disgusting uh, that we take energy for granted. I mean, people run over to the wall and they think it's going to work all the time. Right. It's not. So, um, okay. I'm getting really excited about getting to watch your your event coming around the corner in New York. Uh, What day is it? It is November the 9th. That is a Thursday. Okay. And in person or online? It is in person. In person. Great. It's at, uh, at the at the Penn Club uh, okay. in, in Midtown, New York, in the Tarnapole Room. And what time does it start? It starts at 6 o'clock for networking, and 7 o'clock is the actual panel event. You know what? Uh, we ought to do a live podcast right beforehand to tee it up. Ah. Oh, we could do that. Sure. Yeah, that'd be kind I of fun. I no problem doing that. We could do that uh, from on site. Oh. Yeah, the, tar- the, the Penn Club has, like, nice, really nice car- uh uh, conference rooms, and we could uh, we've done that before. I actually did a podcast uh, a couple of events ago down nice. in one of the uh, one of the conference rooms. Uh, we can get Ziad in there and uh, 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 talk the hell out of it. Oh, I think it'd be fantastic. Let's uh, get that on the books. Wow. And if anybody is going to register, I'll have the link that you sent me to uh, hop into that. Is that okay? Yes, yes, that should be fine. All right, that is it. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, and I cannot wait. To get this, I'm going to have the staff run this out as soon as we can and uh, see if we can get that in there. And I just can't wait to visit with you and George and and everybody else again, because quite honestly, you're hitting all the uh, uh, hot buttons and, uh, you know, give Will a shout out. I'm going to give him a shout out. I can't wait to have him uh, on the podcast as well, too. So sounds great. Hey, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Stu. My pleasure. 